I'm gonna try and preach. <laughs> We're gonna worship after. So we've worshipped in singing, we've worshipped in music, we've worshipped in intercession. I'm going to worship in my preach, and then we're going to go back to worship and singing, because it's all, it's all worship. Today is about of our focus on the glory and the beauty and the splendor of our King. Today is about restoring our affections and our perceptions on the awe and wonder of our King. The reigniting in our hearts of the beauty of the Savior. His holiness, His beauty, because He is beautiful, He is holy. And the word holy means separate, something that is worthy of complete devotion. And he is holy. He is worthy of our complete devotion. And when we use that word holy to describe the Lord, we are not only calling him by his name because he is holy, we are calling him by his character because his character is holy. Everything about him is holy. Everything about him is good. Today is about our hearts being humbled under the weight of his glory. To the point where we can be like, I don't know what, get all snotty and whatever because of the weight of his glory. Today I want to remind you that we serve a terrifically beautiful God. A terrifically beautiful God. A holy God. A majestic God, a righteous God. The Bible says my God is the fairest of 10,000. Now I think my husband is pretty darn stunning, but God is a lot more beautiful than my husband. My God is perfect. I want us to shift our gaze away from ourselves. And what he means to us. And I just want us to focus on him. And I think the church on the whole has done a really good job of teaching about the humanity of God. How he's near to us and how he's dear to us and how he's Jesus our friend and Jesus our comforter and our very present help. And that's all good. That's all necessary. That's all useful. But we haven't done a great job in teaching on the holiness, the splendor and the majesty of the king. Because guess what? If we only focus on who he is to us in whose Humanity, we forget that he is a king who is highly exalted, who sits on a throne in heaven. And yes, he took on flesh, but do we worship his humanity more than the king that is seated in heavenly places? 
And that's what I want us to do today. He is near to us. He is dear to us. He comforts us. He is with us. He is by our side. He is present. But he is a king. And he has a throne. And he has a domain. And he sits in heaven. And he sits on a throne. And he is worthy of a kingly worship. Because that is what my God is. You know... Vicky spoke last week about making room for the king, his presence. And I'm building on that this week because I want to say, you can't make a befitting space for the king unless you understand who this king is. Now, when you first become a Christian, that's fine. That's fine. Because he comes into your heart how he is. But when you become a Christian... And you see his majesty and his splendor. Would you not want to create a space that is befitting of the king of kings and the lord of lords and the great I am? If the queen of England was coming to your house... You'd prepare a lot differently than if your mate Sally from down the road was coming to your house. You would get the finest wines and foods. You would find the most bougie chef to come because you knew the queen in her royalty. You couldn't just give her fish and chips and beans. Even if you had nothing, you would find something of value because the queen was coming. Our king on the throne in the heavens. And I want us to prepare an atmosphere in our lives, in our hearts, that our worship is befitting of a king who lives and sits and reigns on a throne. Because that's who he is. If we only focus on what he does for us, we can miss who he is. But focusing on who he is always includes what he does. Let's focus on the king this morning. Let's focus on the king who sits on a throne. I want to ask us this question today. How can we fully worship the king? And I know our Futile human minds can never fully grasp the majesty of him. But if we don't start to experience and understand the glory of the king and the majesty of the king and the splendor of the king, then our worship will always be not befitting of the majesty and the glory and the splendor of the king. And all through scripture, all through scripture, he is called holy and righteous and perfect and majestic. If you read all the way from Isaiah all the way to Revelation, there is vivid imagery in the scripture. His throne is like. That should be the image in our hearts when we sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I picture the throne room in heaven and all the angels crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And I go, 
and you left that to save a wretch like me, and boy, am I wretched. More because I understand that he left his throne up there to come down here to a fallen world full of broken people who would never want him and who would know his love and not even love him back enough. Because here's the thing we're all Christians in this room and we know what he's done for us, but do we still give him the focus and the attention that he deserves? We don't, and we know. And we're telling the world, come and know Jesus, come and know Jesus, come and get to know my God, and it's all good. But do we know Jesus? Do we know what? But are we giving him that time? Are we giving him that attention? Are we giving him that devotion ourselves, us who do know? And he left his magic. There are angels crying out nonstop, holy, 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 holy is the Lord, and he left that for me. So when I sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, my heart is looking and picturing that throne room and going, God, how much you must love me that you gave that up for me. I'm deliberately using language that's emotive because our God is a wordsmith. And he gave us language first to experience him, first to praise and worship him, and then to share that with the world. And sometimes we read scripture and we read the Bible and we try and shut off our emotions and just go into our minds and our heads because we've been taught that in school you read and reading is a mental thing. But when I read the Bible, I see colors, I see imagery, I see feelings. And I take all of that on because Christ gave me my emotions. Christ gave me even more. And yes, the world has told us that emotions are no good and they'll get you in trouble and it shows you they're weak. How can they be weak when the king of heaven gave them to me? And yes, the enemy has taken them and yes, the world takes advantage of us, but I will first and foremost use my emotions to glorify the king. And that's why I'm standing up here with a snotty nose and I'm crying and I don't care because I'm glorifying my king. So sorry if you hear all the sniffling. <laughs> Everything he gave us was to experience him in your heart, in your body. Have you been in that place of worship? You, you can feel that almost electricity in your body. You can't help but cry. You can't help but you almost just want to, your body almost just wants to go on the floor in worship. Because everything about us is designed to experience the fullness the fullness of the glory of the Lord. So if you shut off your emotions to the Lord, then I say to you boldly, you're not experiencing the fullness of the glory of the Lord. Do we worship him because it's what we should do or because our hearts know the beauty the beauty of the Lord.
Are our hearts pouring out in worship to him? Or are our hearts singing a song? Because that's what we do on a Sunday morning. That's what you do when you're feeling low. I put on a worship song. Are you putting on that worship song? Because you know in that moment, he's worthy despite of you feeling low. So you're changing and you're tuning your affections away from your problem to your God because you're saying, I am deliberately worshiping you because even in this, the Bible. God doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need it. You're not doing him a favor. We're going to read two chapters. He's got angels. The Bible says millions, millions of angels. And their job all day, all night, forever, for millions and millions of years before, and for millions and millions of years to come, is just to stay in his throne room saying, holy, 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 holy is the Lord, holy is the Lord, holy is the Lord, holy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb that was slain, worthy is the Lamb that takes away the sins of man, worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, holy is the Lord, holy is the Lord, righteous is the Lord, perfect are you, Lord, holy is the Lord. There are angels by the millions that do that all day, every day. Do you think he needs me to do that? No, but he does he deserve that? Yes! Does he deserve it? Absolutely yes! The temperature of your worship of God and his holiness increases. The temperature of your worship will increase the more you understand who this God is that we serve. And how do you understand more? By reading the scriptures. And you see, wow, in the Old Testament, I can see your laws. I can see how jealous you were for them. I can see how strict you were for them. I can see your character in that you did not tolerate any sort of sin. You killed people because they missed the mark. And that with the shedding of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, you wiped that all away and you gave us grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon mercy upon mercy upon mercy. And I say, this holy God, this holy God came down and paid the price for me. I don't have to kill lambs. I'll probably be killing 10,000 lambs every day. I don't have to do that anymore because of his blood. And I can read the scriptures and understand that he is beautiful. And my heart goes, how can I but help? How can I? Because I look back on my life and I go, I'm still a mess mess now. But I was a bigger, bigger mess. (laughs) Then... And you never gave up on me. You pursued my heart. A holy God. You put your desire within me. 
You put your desire within me. It's like, here's the thing, I would never have desired him unless he wanted me first. He caught me and drew me and reeled it in and reeled it in to himself. Someone that's holy, set apart, can't bear sin, brought sin to himself, changed my heart, changed my affections. I like sleep, but I like to wake up at half six, seven in the morning or stay up late at night to read the Bible. That is only God that could have changed my affections. He did that. He did that. The nature of our worship will increase when our revelation of God increases and our heart begins to capture the glory of the Lord. I'm going to read Revelation chapter 4 and 5. The whole chapter's. And I want you to follow along with me. I don't want you to switch off because there's a lot of verses. I want you to follow along with me. And I want you to engage your every faculty as I read it. What do you feel? What does your heart feel like like as I read this? What smells do you get as I read this? What can you see? What visions in your mind can you see as I read this? We were telling the worship team a couple weeks ago, even about these lights that go up on here, we were telling them, don't just put up a random color because you think it looks good. Our God designed the heaven and the earth. I was talking to one of the girls that does the lights, like, and she was saying to me, I get it now, like, he made grass green. He could have made it any other color, but he chose green. He made me black. He could have chose any other color, but he made me black. He was intentional about the colors that he used to design the world. Then why would he not tell you what color to put on, on stage during worship to facilitate the worship? So as I read these scriptures, I want you to engage your every faculty. Revelation 4. Starting from verse 4. And as I, and after this I looked... And behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you. And at once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. The one who was sat on the throne had the appearance of Jasper, which is red. And around the throne, there was a rainbow. So now we have a throne. And one who's seated on the throne, who has an appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, which are hues of red. And then around this throne, there was a rainbow. And then surrounding that even more, surrounding the throne, there were 24 other thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. 
And there's, from this throne came flashes of lightning and rumbling and pearls of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there it was, a sea of glass, like crystal. You go in the throne and you hear a voice. And then you go up and there's one seated on the throne. And his appearance is all beautiful colors of reds. And the aura he's given up is like a rainbow of emeralds. And then there are other thrones, and there are 24 elders surrounding this throne, and they have white garments on them. And they have golden crowns on their heads. And then there's torches all over the place. And the floor is like a crystal. This is the throne room of God. Is that not? Beautiful. On the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. And the first living creature had a face like a lion. The second living creature had a face like an ox. And the third, a face like a man. And the fourth living creature, like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them had six wings wings, and were full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never ceased to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is. Verse 9. And whenever the living creatures would give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders would fall down before him who is seated on the throne and also worship him who lives forever and ever. And they would cast down their crowns and say, worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things things and by your will they exist and they are created the living creatures on each side of the throne surrounded by emeralds and jasper and carnelian and a sea of glass would see this and see our holy and righteous God and they would fall down and worship and because they worshiped and the temperature of their worship was befitting of what they were seeing in the heavens, the Bible says then that caused the 24 elders to also fall down and worship. If we want to see our town, our city, our nation, our world turned apart for Jesus, then the temperature of our worship has to also fall down and worship. Because as the living creatures worshipped, the 24 elders saw that worship and they said, I must worship that God too. If we want to see this church set ablaze, you want revival? How's your worship? How's your worship? Revelation 5. And then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the th throne a scroll written and on the back sealed with seven seals. 
And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud reading, proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to do this. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And then one of the elders came to me and said, weep no more. Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. That's Jesus. Behold, Jesus has conquered. Behold, Jesus has conquered. Sin and death, weep no more. Behold, Jesus has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Verse 6, and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as if it had been slain. Jesus is the lamb that was slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the... He had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of the incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Your prayers go up to heaven in a bowl and they are collected and your worship goes up to heaven and it is collected in a, in a golden bowl and it is there before the lamb. And they sang a new song saying, worthy, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people, and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed us. But you didn't stop there. You made us a kingdom of priests. And then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads, that just means millions and millions and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lord be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and the throne and unto the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. 
that all the creatures fell down at worship. This is our God. This is our God. This is our God. This is what goes on in the throne room of heaven. Good catch. <laughs> this is what it means to worship in spirit and in truth. When you begin to gain this understanding and your body just pulls it out. You know the thing, right? For us who are saved, do you know what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20? It says, if we're Christians, it says this, Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father at the throne, like we've just read. But then it says in Ephesians 2 verse 6 that when we're saved, Christ pulls us up. He raises us up with him in heavenly places. So everything I've just read there about what goes on in the throne room of God, guess what? You're there in heaven. The Bible says the minute you accept Jesus into your heart, he raises you up and seats you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Do you know where you are? You're part of those millions and millions of angels singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. How dare we head down on ourselves when we are seated in heavenly places with Christ? So to worship in spirit and truth means, here's the thing, you are first spirit. You're not a body. You are a spirit. You are a spirit. So to worship in spirit means that you are already in heaven, in the heavenly places, going up through this amazing worship service that's going on at the throne room. You're there. And all we do here on earth is allow the limitations of our body to tap into what's going on in heaven and pull that out. That's what it means to worship in spirit and truth. Before the throne of God, worship in day and night, night and day, and you're going, I'm going to, as much as within my power, make my body do what my spirit is doing because I am first and foremost a spirit that has been raised up and seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, forever worshiping. We must live this here on earth. We must live this experience here on earth. And the worship team can get up. Feel the Lord that we worship. We must always give our holy and righteous and our perfect Savior worship that's befitting of the majesty of who he is. We must worship with this revelation. We must worship with this revelation. Our hearts must sing with this revelation. Hallelujah, 
Hallelujah. For the Lord God Almighty reigns. You are loud when we sing songs like the splendor of our King, clothed in majesty. How great is our God. You are singing with the revelation of the throne room of God. When your heart sings, all creation cries out, worthy is the Lord. And the earth replies, holy are you. You are singing with the revelation of the throne room. When we sing the song, day and night, night and day, when what let worship arise, you are joining word for word in verbatim with the chorus that the angels are singing in heaven. Day and night, night and singing. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. You are saying, Lord, my spirit is up there experiencing this. Let my body experience that too. Whenever we sing this old song, forever you will be the lamb upon the throne. I will gladly bow my knee and worship you alone. You are singing with that revelation. One of my other favorite oldies is, you are beautiful beyond description. Too marvelous for words. Some of you are just like, what the heck is she saying? It's okay, go on YouTube it later. I stand, I stand in awe of you. This is our God. This is our God. In all his beauty. In all his splendor, in all his majesty. And now we're gonna respond in singing. And I dare you, I double dare you, I triple dare you to think about everything that's been said this morning to this message, to have Revelation 4 and 5 in your heart. And give him worship that he deserves. Not that he needs. You're not doing him a favor. Give him the worship that he deserves.